0: An investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I am delighted to welcome my guest, Mr. Henry Rollins. He is the director of the Detox Project, a research and certification platform that encourages transparency in the food and supplement industries on the subject of toxic chemicals. Mr. Rollins was brought up on a family run sheep farm in Wales. His connection to both farming and the protection of the Welsh countryside led to a deep interest in issues related to sustainable agriculture from a young age. Following work as a news agency journalist, Mr. Rowland set up Sustainable Pulse, which focuses on sustainable agriculture and sustainable food. And Sustainable Pulse now has a regular readership of over one million people per month from over 125 countries. In 2015, Mr. Rollins founded the Detox Project to try and solve some of the issues he was made aware of during his work as a journalist. He has also been an advisor on sustainable agriculture to a number of governments in the EU. The Detox Project has been involved in a number of groundbreaking studies over the last few years, including research on the world's most used herbicide, glyphosate, and we'll be diving into their most recent report today titled The Poison in Our Daily Bread. Welcome, Henry.
1: a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your background and how you decided to become so focused on chemical toxins in our food supply. What was the switch that led you down this particular path?
1: Sure. I've Got a, a family background to thank for for this work. My great grandfather was actually a chemist, and he started one of the first campaigns against toxic chemicals in Europe in 1955. He'd previously been working on discovering the neon light, and I think just realised that chemistry was being used in the wrong direction. So he started a campaign against the overuse of fluoride in water back then. And since then, my family's been involved in this area. My parents were involved in stopping GM crops, genetic, genetically modified crops from being grown in the UK and also across Europe. And so I've literally always been interested. But having got into the journalist here when I left school, it became more and more interesting to do investigative Work into the agribusiness, uh, the chemicals that are causing harm to our environment and also public health. That's really the root of the interest.
0: Well, you know, as a dietitian, Henry, I've always been concerned about the quality of our food. And when genetically modified crops were first planted, I was most concerned about what they were genetically modified to do. And so I live in the Midwest. And so much of the nation's commodity crops, corn and soy, are grown here. Of course, they're genetically modified. They come with a corporate promise of being able to feed the world and fight climate change. But what I've discovered in my own investigative work is that really, because they're genetically engineered to withstand the spraying of an increasing number of herbicides – what they really do is line the pockets of these corporations both from the sale of patented seed as well as the sale of the related herbicides. Tell me, where do your concerns lie here?
1: Sure. It's a, it's a big topic. Genetic modification was designed as a very, very clever business model and since then has been used to promote the overuse of a number of Modified crops in many countries globally. Yeah. So the issue of toxic chemicals in agriculture is wider than GM crops. It's a much wider picture just because even in conventional growing of crops many many different toxic chemicals are used and it's almost as much about when and how they are used as them being used specifically. So our work is focusing on making sure that consumers and brands are aware of how exactly these toxic chemicals are getting into the final products that the general public eats or consumes in some way. So that's definitely our focus. But it's beyond the scope of just focusing on genetically modified crops, which obviously are causing damage in themselves.
0: Right. I'm so glad you brought that up because I am a board member of Beyond Pesticides, and I just happened to pull out a resource that they have available on their website, and it's the health effects of 30 commonly used pesticides. And I can provide a link both to your work at the Detox Project as well as this. But to understand that, you're absolutely correct. It's not just genetically modified crops that are introducing more of these chemicals. There are many chemicals that are used on crops that we consume every day with, as you mentioned, these PR promises of Somehow being able to increase yields and feed more of the world through the use of these toxins. But I've witnessed an increase in certain chronic conditions over the past several decades that I've been working as a dietitian. And I have to wonder what kind of role these chemicals play, especially when we think of the synergistic effects of these chemicals on our bodies.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a huge movement now, specifically in Europe, against the use of hormone hackers or scientifically called endocrine disruptors. And many of them, as you, as you rightly say, act together, right? So, and, and no one's ever studied that. The use of multiple chemicals on food crops, uh, which then get in as residues into our food or into our water, has never been studied in a synergistic way or in a comprehensive way. So we've always struggled from a point of view of understanding and only now uh, there's some movement in the independent scientific community at least to actually look at the synergistic effect of these chemicals which are often raised at similar times on, on the food not be using any of these products until there's proper synergistic, comprehensive safety studies done, which as I said, never happened up to now. Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know if the EU is as influenced by corporate dollars as officials in the US seem to be, but I have a report here that says that Monsanto successfully asked our Environmental Protection Agency to expand the levels of glyphosate residues allowed for several foods. And in 1993, the EPA had a tolerance for glyphosate in oats, for example, that was 0.1 parts per million. In 1996, Monsanto asked the EPA to raise that tolerance to 20 parts per million, and the EPA did as asked. In 2008, at Monsanto's suggestion, the EPA again looked to raise the tolerance for glyphosate notes, this time up to 30 parts per million. So we see these levels of tolerance being increased at the request of industry. Does the same thing happen in the EU?
1: Uh, not as much, but sadly, there's obviously corporate influence. It's slowly reducing uh, that corporate influence. Probably over the last two or three years, there's been a move within the European Parliament to reduce lobbying. I think probably the largest problem when it comes to the increase in those levels, as you just said, but also the increase in the number of different toxic chemicals that are used, Mm -hmm. is lobbying. And it simply shouldn't be allowed. There should be no lobbying from agrochemical business whatsoever. It doesn't benefit public health, it doesn't benefit consumers, and it also doesn't benefit the brands themselves who are the ones who have to answer questions when specific chemicals are found in their products. So, yeah, lobbying is a massive problem. shouldn't ever have been allowed, but is causing more and more problems on multiple levels.
0: Right. Well, I'd like to take a deeper dive into your excellent recent report. It was produced in February of 2022. It's titled, The Poison in Our Daily Bread. And it looks at the pre-harvest spraying of Monsanto Bayer's Roundup, which is leading to the contamination of what many of us might consider to be healthy food in the supermarket. And you looked at 83 foods, and you'll have to get into the details with me a little bit. But it looks like from the report that you tested specific foods purchased in Des Moines, Iowa from Walmart, Whole Foods, Target, Natural Grocers, and hy V, as well as foods that were purchased online through Amazon. So that reaches a much broader scope. Tell me about how you chose the foods and why you chose to look specifically at grocery stores in Des Moines.
1: Sure, the, the answer to the Des Moines question is that, sadly, Iowa is as much of the Midwest at what we call ground zero when it comes to contamination with pesticides just because of the forms of agriculture that are most prominent in the area, whether that be soybeans or corn, both of which are sprayed very heavily. And so we thought, let's have a look at the local grocery chains, even though some of them are obviously international, to see what we can find in the products. So literally, our colleagues went bought products off the shelf, packaged products, and sent them off directly to the lab to be tested. And we thought we'd try and also gather as much information from a kind of wide group of grocery stores, some which you would imagine would have less healthy products in and some which you would imagine would have more healthy products in, uh, the likes of whole food, for example. And so we bought products from, ranging from bread to lentils to beans, all of the kind of plant-based group of foods that are seen as a staple in many people's diet, and as you said, healthy, to look at also what was currently on their labels. So we looked at whether they were organic certified, whether they were non-GMO certified, and we made sure that we were looking at as wide a range of conventional all the way
0: Well, it's a fascinating and frightening report, and we're going to dive into it more deeply here in just a moment, but we're halfway through. So let me take one break and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you are tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, and we are speaking with Mr. Henry Rollins. He is the director of the Detox Project, which is a research and certification platform that encourages transparency in the food and supplement industries on the subject of toxic chemicals, The Detox Project has been involved in a number of groundbreaking studies that are available on the website, and I will provide a link to that. It's detoxproject.org. But the Detox Project also promotes testing technologies that enable us to find out what levels of toxic chemicals are in our body and our food. So most foods that are sprayed with Roundup or glyphosate would be grains because Roundup or glyphosate is used as a desiccant or a tool for drying out grain consistently. And then, of course, it's also used on genetically modified crops. So the corn, the soy, the canola, alfalfa as well. So you went and looked at different products in the grocery store. And I just want to just share some of your findings that struck me as, whoa, this will be a shock whole wheat sandwich bread from Whole Foods had over 1,040 parts per billion. And this particular whole wheat sandwich bread, it's under their 365 label, that is also labeled as non-GMO. How can non-GMO labeled products be such high carriers of glyphosate?
1: Sure. Well, I think there's a generally a misunderstanding of how herbicides specifically, with this report, glyphosate, get into final products. So most of the issue that we see when we test products from all over the world is that desiccation or pre-harvest spraying, which usually happens about two or less weeks before the harvest of a crop, is the big problem. And pre-harvest spraying almost entirely happens on non-GMO crops. So you're looking at, oh, Non GMO. And the difference is that non GMO only identifies whether the plant itself is not genetically modified. It doesn't have any requirements for not spraying with these toxic chemicals. And that's the okay. That was why the non GMO project was set up. And the whole idea was. GMO has no relationship to toxic chemicals at all from a certification point. And even organic doesn't necessarily meet the requirements of many people when they're talking about completely avoiding toxic chemicals or avoiding a majority because the USDA allows a certain level of toxic chemicals in organic produce. Uh, It's 5% of what's allowed in conventional, officially. So, yeah, there's problems with surrounding those certifications when people are looking for certifications on the products when they're buying things off the shelf.
0: And it's a simple thing to explain. It just it needs explaining more. Exactly. And I think that your report really shows the value of the organic certification because in many of the products that are certified organic, we see non-detectable levels of glyphosate, which is very comforting and reassuring if a person wants to avoid that. I am concerned about things that are labeled natural or things that are labeled, as we spoke about, the non-GMO project. But I think that there's a lot of room for confusion also with regard to the natural label. That provides no protection.
1: Yeah, I mean, the natural label label is completely pointless, right? I mean, it doesn't actually mean anything. Uh, it's, it's pure PR. Any brand that uses the natural label, uh, I refuse to buy from my own self, because I know that they're trying to calm the audience, right? They're trying to mislead the audience by saying that a product is so-called natural. There's been no auditing. It doesn't mean that that product is in any way more natural than a product that isn't labeled as natural. So it's a pointless label that no brand, in my opinion, should use. But non-GMO, as I said, is useful. It just needs to be understood what it actually means. That's, That's the most.
0: Well, I think that this report provides a really handy guide for people who want to just see how much residue is going to be found on the kinds of foods that they might be purchasing. Now, I realize, is this testing a one-time test, or did you collect a number of samples to get the final number here?
1: No, we, we just did one of each product. We wanted to be as comprehensive about the number of different types of products rather than just go into depth on each product purely because of obvious budget constraints. Sure. But what ended up happening is actually the most comprehensive testing report that we are actually aware of that has ever been done on essential foods anywhere in the world specifically for glyphosate contamination. So we need more testing. We need to understand more about what's actually happening in the food system and not just with glyphosate beyond glyphosate into other toxic chemicals whether that be related pesticide related or anything along that line, just so we have more knowledge, so we can actually act upon different supply chains and reduce toxic exposure to improve public health.
0: Right. Now, you also recommend that people, if they're curious and have the resources, test their own bodies for residues. And Tell me how you do that. How does that work?
1: Sure. Um, so we started off, actually the whole detox project started off as a project. Targeting the ability for the general public to test their own bodies. We were not uh, at that stage in, in 2014 15 interested in testing food. One thing that I think people have to understand is that the most dangerous thing about low levels of exposure to toxic chemicals, like the levels that we're exposed to in our diet or in our water, is not related to poisoning because we don't get poisoned straight away by these chemicals. It's long, regular exposure. So if you can avoid long, regular exposure to specific chemicals, then you will avoid having health problems from them. And so when we look at long-term exposure testing, hair is the best form of testing because you can find out if you've been regularly exposed over the last six months, three to six months, to any specific chemical. We work with a laboratory in France, uh, which sends kits all over the world to find out people's long-term exposure to glyphosate, to another 100 pesticides, to plastic contaminants, And it's very empowering because when people say, oh, there are 2,000, 3,000 chemicals out there that you're exposed to all the time, it may be true, but you want to find out exactly which chemicals you're exposed to regularly. And so the the, the hair test can do that. And what we do is we've actually found out that most people are only exposed regularly to, you know, between 3 and 10 chemicals. And so if you can identify those chemicals and then look where they may be coming from and cut them out of your of your exposure so whether that be through your diet or through filtering your water it will help public health long term right so that's our aim so yeah we promote at the moment hair testing as much as possible
0: well i was curious about hair testing to see whether it was a valid test And indeed, I went to the Archives of Toxicology and found their conclusion to be, quote, hair analysis is a reliable tool to be used during epidemiological studies to investigate exposure-associated adverse health effects. So I'm glad to know that there is solid evidence supporting the use of hair. It's certainly not invasive, so it can be easy. It's pretty pricey, though, to have it tested, isn't it? How much does it cost?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to reduce the price all the time. I mean, when we started, when we started because there was very little testing out there, testing prices were above $500 per sample, or just across the board. We've now got the lowest testing sample, which we're just about to launch, which will be at $99. And it costs anywhere between $99 and $350, depending on what screen you want to do. But we're trying to force the reduction of the price to enable the general public to be able to test as much as possible. When we get below $100 as we just have for the first time, we're, we're we're going in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I would like to suggest that when we go to a doctor's office with whatever malady might be related to what we're eating, it would be nice if doctor's offices routinely tested for some of these herbicide and pesticide residues, wouldn't you think?
1: It would be wonderful. We'd get a much better picture of what's actually happening in that way. And basically, people people's health would improve dramatically if they actually could analyze easily what they're exposed to and cut those exposures out. So, absolutely. So, we, we work with many alternative doctors mainly, but it should be a mainstream
0: Exactly and it would certainly help I would hope drive more organic farming through farm policies as well
1: I think so if people uh, one, one of the one of the funny things that we've found is that you can report on social media or through any media nowadays uh, about the health the negative health impacts or the negative environmental impacts but most of that just disappears into the kind of ever growing mass of information that people have to take in. It's only when things become personal and that you can actually
0: unfortunately out of time but i want to thank you so much for your research and your reporting and i will of course make the detox project link and this new report available in our show notes do you have one last charge for our listeners
1: yeah i would say that one of the most important things that we've done is with glyphosate residue free certification and to try and get brands to understand the problem so that they can actually educate the general public and, and that's Is really growing fast uh, and it is kind of one of our main targets. So it's it's a good thing to look out for when when people are going to the grocery
0: store. Great. And we can learn more about that on the Detox Project website. Well, in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemelgarn for KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Henry Rollins, Director of the Detox Project, a research and certification platform that encourages transparency in the food and supplement industries on the subject of toxic chemicals. Thank you so much for your time today, Henry, and your important work.
1: Thank you so much too.